nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have a treat for you today, Dr. Matt Chalmers, health and wellness professional, practicing doctor, author, and speaker. Dr. Chalmers has certifications in neurology, sports nutrition, and spinal decompression. He has been working with athletes from the NFL, NBA, MLB, and many youth leagues. So yes, Dr. Chalmers has a wide range of knowledge and experience he's going to share. So in today's episode, we're going to discuss nutrition that athletes need. Should we play through pain? Which I think is a very interesting question, right? <laughs> well, so we're going to talk about that. Should we play through pain? Nutrition and other needs for women and a whole lot more. And with that being said, let's welcome Dr. Chalmers to the show. Hey, man, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing good. Again, like I said, I'm, you're the man. I'm glad you're on the show. So let's get this puppy started. Tell my audience about yourself and tell us about your work. So uh, I'm a wellness expert. I'm in Frisco, Texas. Um, and uh, basically, kind of the way everything started was I got a guy who was really unhealthy and couldn't, I was having trouble walking up and down stairs and, you know, couldn't go do anything. And he just sold his business for $20 million and his life was pretty much all used up. He, he was a young guy, couldn't, uh, couldn't go do any of the things that we wanted to do. So uh, that kind of shook me up and I was like, how am I going to make it so that I can do all the things I want to do throughout my age? And so that set me on a 15 year journey of trying to figure out the best way to keep the body as healthy as in the quality of life as high as possible. So that's kind of where we're, where we got to here. And I've treated a ton of athletes with that biomechanical piece of getting everybody back together. You know, it's interesting with, uh, with the top uh, wellness experts that I've worked with, it always it usually starts with some kind of curiosity, like something happens and you're like, how can I solve this? You know, even with myself, not putting my, not putting me in your category, but I had, asthma issues and I had allergy issues and I was like, okay, I'm tired of these medications. How can I solve this? And now three years in, I'm no longer on medication. Right. Very good. Um, so it starts with a curiosity. How can I start? How can I really solve this? So thank you so much for that. And with that being said, why shouldn't an athlete go to a non-athlete doctor? I'm really curious on your answer for this one. <laughs> So when I say non-athlete doctor, the doctor actually has to work out. Like ask me an athlete, you know, it doesn't matter. Soccer, baseball, lacrosse, I don't care as long as you're an athlete. And the reason is because athletes carry their own lexicon. We have our own total verbiage and we understand things differently. And we're trying to do stuff that's a little bit different. And so whenever you ask something different of the body, 
obviously the results in the blood tests are going to be returned different. Higher creatinine levels, higher ALT, AST levels. You know, you're going to see more things like that. You know, with fasting and everything, everything's going to be a little bit different with athletes. And I keep seeing blood reports from guys and they're like, my doctor told me I was totally unhealthy. And I'm like, no, you're an athlete. These are, this is normal for someone who works out. He just doesn't see people who work out. So he thinks it's different than the rest of his stuff, which it is because you're the only athlete he sees. So that's why you have to have somebody who understands how to read blood work for an athlete. That's kind of the whole premise behind that, that quote. That's pretty interesting. And I love that quote. And you're definitely true. You're definitely right on that. So thank you for sharing that because it is true. It's, it's when you are an athlete, you, everything just, is just different. And if you've never been in that environment and you don't know what to look for, you can miss a lot of things quite easily or exaggerate certain things quite easily as well. So thank you for sharing that. Now, let's talk about pain. Um, when, if any time, should we actually play through pain? So this goes to one of my favorite sports quotes. And I think any athlete, gymnast, cheerleader, football player, it doesn't matter. I think everybody's heard this quote. They, are you hurt or are you injured? If you're hurt, you can suck it up and play through it. If you're injured, stop. So the problem with this is that there is a point where you should play through it. If you're uncomfortable, if you're sore, play through it. If you're injured, if you know something's broken, if you know something's torn, stop. The problem is that there's a nice gray area in there where we all have to kind of decide for ourselves, am I hurt or am I injured? And so the thing is, is that what I tell patients is that if the activity you're doing, the sport you're doing makes the problem significantly worse, just go ahead and stop no matter what. So if you stand up, you try to run, your leg grabs up again because you pulled your hamstring too bad, you're done, sit down. If you, as, you, as you're working out like three days into, you know, just coming back from a, a vacation or something and you're all sore, suck it up and go through it. But that's the piece is don't, don't push yourself past that point where you know you're hurt because you're just going to get more hurt. But if you're sore, as an athlete, we all live with a level three pain level every day. So just, you know, some of that stuff you're going to have to suck it up and go. So this is literally the hardest thing. But if you hurt, hurt, stop. So, and most people, most athletes know when you say, if you hurt, hurt, stop, because they're like, okay, it's, it's 10, 10% more than my normal. So I'll just go ahead and that I'll call that hurt. I'll call that stop. But the problem is for a normal person, that's like a four or a five. And they'd be like, I wouldn't get off the couch with this, let alone think about playing. <laughs> so again, that goes back to the whole work with athlete doctors. So like if you get up and you feel a sharp pain, you can barely walk. You may want to bow out of the game. It's what you, it's what you're telling me, right? Today's not your day. Today's not your best day. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Now let's talk about concussions, right? Because this yeah. is a big topic. You know, I know you're an NFL guy as well. I'm, I watch the NFL. Um, what are often, what are the um, best paths to treat concussions? So the best thing is to start with prevention. So the thicker the neck, the stronger the neck, then the, we're going to radically reduce concussions. And the reason for this is because people think that concussions occur from hitting the head. It has nothing to do with hitting in the head. It has to do with the brain hitting the skull. And so what happens if you hit the jaw, if you hit the body and the head starts flipping back and forth real fast, the brain sloshes around inside the skull and bangs into the skull. But if your neck is big and thick and strong, the energy that goes into your head gets dissipated into your neck and it slows down the movement of the head so you don't have as many concussions. So preventive-wise, strengthen that neck. This is one of the big keys we see with female athletes getting concussions all the time is that their necks are very are not as strong. 
So strengthening the neck is the first thing we've got to do. Now, to your exact point of treating concussions, you have to recognize what's most important for brain tissue. So oxygen is going to be one. So we're going to have to sleep a lot uh, so we can heal, but we're going to have to make sure we're breathing while we're sleeping. So oftentimes we'll check and make sure that we have sleep study function with these guys to make sure they're still breathing. We can use hyperbaric oxygen to get the oxygen in, which is something we do on most of our concussion patients. But to heal the brain, we're going to need folic acid or specifically L-methyl tetrahydrofolate, which is the most methylated reduced form of folate. It's easy to find. Uh, Omega-3 fatty acids are going to be another big player. So, you know, those are going to be the big ways that we start trying to do it. And then you just run through your typical return to play protocol, stay asleep, stay in dark rooms, and slowly build yourself back out of it. You started by talking about preventative, which thank you so much, because that's like, as you know, it's very important, right? Because, you know, if you don't have to treat a concussion, if you don't get one, <laughs> that's right. uh, which is not always avoidable, but talk about uh, strengthening the neck, right? So what are some basic things someone could do to strengthen their neck? So when I was in high school, we had plate loaded neck machines. You literally put your head on it and push it to the side. And those were phenomenal. Um, my boys were talking about playing football and if they don't have one in their gym, I will buy one for the house. It's that important to me for them. Um, the other thing that we can do is you can do neck bridges where you're, you're laying on your back and you kind of come up onto your head and kind of just strengthen the neck backwards. Um, that's going to be another a good one. But what I'll have everybody do is I'm like, look, if you're going to go buy this football helmet for your kid or whatever, get it a month before you need to go to practice and wear it around the house. And then you can start taking, you know, because that once you get used to that helmet, that's going to be one big piece of strengthening the neck. But you can also do things like hang locks off of it. You can use rubber bands to tie to it to strengthen the neck. So those are my favorite. In fact, I actually have a lot of my female athletes, soccer players, gymnasts, stuff like that, do that. They wear helm, football helmets so they can attach things to it and strengthen their neck. So when they fall, they don't have any any whiplash injuries that are going to go into the into the brain. Wow, fantastic. I knew about the machine. Um, I never, I don't, I don't think they're really in gyms anymore. I think it's more of a liability reason, but uh, I do, I didn't know, I didn't know about that. The helmet, that's actually really creative. I've never heard that before, but that doesn't make sense because you're wearing it around, you strengthen it before you're actually playing. And then you can say you can hand things off it to increase the resistance and so on and so forth. So that's really big. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I know you do some chiropractic work. So what are some of the benefits of uh, going to a Cairo? So it, it, chiropractic is, base, is, is actually really based in neurology. And so what ends up happening is when, we, when you adjust a joint, the reason that it stays where you put it is because you send a quick impulse through neurologic channels, Golgi tendon organs, muscle spindle fibers, and it literally tells the brain, hey, all these things happen. And the brain resets the muscle tone for how hard it's pulling to a different position. And so that's how it works. And so all athletes should be getting adjusted to help keep everything moving properly and functioning properly so that we can keep, you know, speed up, strength up and, and function up. Oh, interesting. Actually, I didn't know that. And now you say that I do know I need to get adjusted. So that's that's not going to be on my agenda for next week before uh, before I go uh, running again. So thank you so much for letting us know that. Absolutely. So your work is a little different, and I say it's a yes. little different because some of the things you do is really groundbreaking, right? So tell my audience who don't know about you, how is your work as a Cairo different than the traditional? So I get, I get made fun of by all my friends on the, I have a lot of Eastern medicine people I work with, and a lot of Western medicine people, and everybody teases me because they're like, you're the only guy. 
who's going to talk about echocardiograms and calcium CTs and injectable testosterone and coffee enemas and meridians all in the same visit. And I'm like, well, that's what everybody needs. <laughs> so, so that we've blended a lot of Western medicine, a lot of their diagnostics, and we've taken um, things like medica medications like hormone therapy and peptides and supplementation. We've kind of built them all into one big place and says, look, all of these things have benefits. All of these things have risks. If we play with them properly, we can build something fantastic. And so that's what we've been doing. We use a lot of the same medical tests that people try to figure out what, what happened and why you had a heart attack to figure out, are you going to have a heart attack? Because you can go the other way really easily. And so if you do a calcium CT and an echocardiogram, I don't care what your cholesterol is. I can tell you what your chances of having a heart attack are because I can see the plaque. I can see if your heart's beating right. So those are the tests that we can do so we can give a good foundational functional, here's where you're going to be in 10 years. So that's some of the big things that we do that are a little bit different. We also use a lot of muscle testing. I'll use as much or more muscle testing as I will blood work to figure out what's going on with somebody. So I know how to either detoxify a, a, an issue or increase nutrition for somebody specific for their body. So we kind of use a lot of both and there's, there's a lot of validity for both. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is that makes us a little different is we've, we've really blended the East and the West in our, in our care. You're the first chiropractor I've ever heard that's even delved into medicine. <laughs> so <laughs> much less bending the East and the West. I mean, that's, that's, that's just mind blowing. My mind's on the ground somewhere really just listening to you talk right now. That's, that's, that's really, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's fantastic. So if I come to you, you're not just going to adjust my spine in five minutes and send me and send me on my way. <laughs> we have a lot more we may need to look into. So thank you so much for that. Now, as promised, we're going to talk about the females out there, you know? So what are some reasons why women's needs tend to be a little bit different than men? Their bodies are completely different. So for instance, the biggest one that we see Female athletes blow their knees out almost 10 times more often than men. It's not because their knees are weaker. The angle that from their hips to their knees is 30% larger than ours because their pelvis is pitched totally different because it's designed to have babies. So everything from about midsection down in a woman is totally different. The forces in the pelvis and the hips into the legs, into the knees are substantially higher, which is one of the reasons female athletes need to get adjusted more often to make sure their pelvis is square so that everything around it can function properly because your pelvis is actually your core. So when we talk about the core, people think about their abs. It's not it. It's your pelvis and all the muscles that attach to it. So if, if a woman's pelvis is going to change monthly, it's going to affect the way that everything's stable on top of that. So that's one of the big pieces that we have to look at. Um, a lot of things that just, the other piece of that is that women need some of the same things that men do. For instance, women need testosterone desperately. They just don't need a thousand blood levels. They need, you know, 80 to 150. So that's closer to where they're going to be, but they desperately need it to function. And just a lot of women aren't getting that information. A lot of our female athletes are getting ter terrible information um, because they don't know how to work with female athletes. For instance, with a guy, if a lot of the times what we've seen in research is that when you tell a guy to fast, he'll eat his same 3000 calories between lunch and dinner a lot of the female athletes were just skipping breakfast, eating the same amount of at lunch and the same amount at dinner because they didn't, that's just how they knew to eat. So they were just calorically def deficient and it caused health issues. So these are some of the things that we have to kind of recognize of 
you know, when we look at our athlete, what are tendencies they're going to have? And if you don't recognize that female athletes have weaker, have weaker necks or their concussion rates are going to be much higher, that their knees are under a lot more strain, their pelvis has to have more work, and we have to look at more nutritionally dense function for them, you're not going to do really well treating them. You touched on a few things there. Um, so for one, you were talking about that women need to see the chiropractor more often. So thank you for sharing that because I don't think most, I, I wasn't aware of that. And I don't think more, more, I don't think many people are really aware of that. So thank you for sharing. Um, in addition to with the pelvis that I didn't know, I didn't know either. Um, I, I, I do think of your core as your stomach, you know, your abs, not your pelvis. Yeah. So again, you being a chiropractor and have this knowledge and all this expertise. Thank you for sharing that. The fasting is huge as well. I've, uh, not really clients of mine because clients of mine understand how when I put them on a fasting protocol, but I've had people who want to try fasting and be doing fasting women, necessarily, mm -hmm. and they say, I, I, I don't feel well. My head hurts. I'm not, I'm actually gaining weight and I will look at their fasting windows and I will let them know that they're not eating enough or they're fasting for too long. And a lot of times I realize that women can't, women, the fasting windows, women, women and women have to be different because our hormonal, hormonal profiles are different. And we have to take those into consideration. So thank you for bringing up the fasting because that's really huge. And now with that being said, we're going to talk about nutrition for women as well. So what roles do nutrition play in pregnancy and how can it impact a developing child? So there's a lot on this. Um, so we actually do a, when people come in and say, I want, we want to have kids in the next six, eight months, a year, you know, we're looking at that time frame. We'll do a really big, strong detox on the, the woman because that's where the factory where the baby's being made is. So if the factory is not clean. If it has, you know, excess waste and stuff like that, that's going to be a hindrance to us throughout. Now, the, the big things that we want to make sure of is that we're getting fully methylated B vitamins throughout, throughout the pregnancy from before we get pregnant all the way through. Uh, the omega-3 fatty acids are going to be big as well. Um, and then the, probably one of the bigger ones that we like to make sure of is that we're supplementing a little bit higher than normal because with your CoQ10, all those sort of things, D3, because the, the body's building something. And so we need to make sure we give it all the nutrition we can get. Um, iodine is a really big one. Iodine, there's research that shows that iodine goes to, uh, with the increased thyroid function, we start to see a higher IQ in children who have had higher thyroid levels and during pregnancy. So those are some of the ones that we, we check first to make sure we have all of those and we can go through some of the micronutrients, but those, that's typically the place we start. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that. Do you, do you mind discussing just touching the micronutrients a little bit? Yeah. So selenium is going to be a big one. It's one of the ones that's missed by a lot of people. Uh, like I mentioned, iodine, iodine is missed by most Americans because we don't eat things that have a lot of iodine besides iodized salt and that salt's trash. We don't get a lot of iodine out of it. Um, so those are some of the pieces. Um, probably, uh, you know, most people are going to get, be fine with their copper or the molybdenum. Um, uh, magnesium is a really, really big one because as women start to get more and more pregnant, they start to have more and more issues with constipation. And that's when we start to see our issues with, uh, uh, hernia. Uh, so blood vessel issues in, in, the, in the rectum, we start to see, um, all sorts of problems with pressure in the bowel. And so if we can release that with magnesium, everything gets better. Awesome. Now let's talk about a developing child then, right? Because in pregnancy, we, we need these that you just mentioned. How would that impact uh, the, the child? So 
as far as developing child inside mom, you know, your the neural tube is formed within the first 10 days. That neural tube becomes your brain and spinal cord. Without enough folic acid, methylated folic acid, that tube doesn't form right. And so when that tube doesn't form right, you really get spontaneous abortions, we get spina bifida occulta, there's all sorts of things. And that's probably the most recognizable function. But the other thing is, is that if we don't have enough fatty acids, we can't make the cellular structure, the phospholipid bilayer structure of any of the cells. So if we don't have the components, the chemicals we need to fully build everything out properly, we're not going to get everything built as well as we could. And so that's really kind of the basis for making sure all of your nutrition is, is up a little bit higher than it normally would be uh, for daily life. I saw this interview and I said that you really know your stuff and you have a wide range of knowledge and you, 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 did, you delivered, you delivered, man. So thank you, Dr. Chalmers, for being here. This is a fantastic interview. My audience is definitely going to benefit. Uh, with that being said, um, how can my audience get in touch with you? So chalmerswellness.com is probably the easiest place. And then any of the social medias, I'm Dr. Chalmers and the number one. Perfect. Easy enough. And uh, I'm following you on Instagram. So if you reach out to me, I'll let you know how to get in touch with this guy as well. So thank you, Dr. Chalmers. This is a fantastic interview and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. You too, sir. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Zico Hell Show. If you got good quality content out of this or any of my episodes, save, subscribe, and share it with family, friends, co-workers, or anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.